I'm your unpreventable host, Sinan Kuba, Editorial and Features Director for the Game Reviews, and to my left, and by that I mean to my far left, he's the man who puts the pro into... into I'll say that again. He's the man who puts the pro into... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can do it, you can do it. I so believe you, in you. You've got your outtakes already. Like, the pro like, and prototype, ready, go. You say it, you say it. <laughs> the man who puts the pro into prototype... Joe Slam Vander Huge Delia. Joe, hit me up with your rhythm stick and tell me how you've been. Well, Sedan, how you doing good? Went to Manhattan yesterday, ate like a king. How was the wedding you went to yesterday? Keep going. <laughs> One man podcast. Oh. Okay. Brought to you by thegamereviews.com and proud to be part of the Unified Gamers Network. You're listening to Big Red Potion, the podcast that's the guitar anti-hero. I'm your unpreventable host, Sinan Kuba, editorial and feature director for TDR. And to my left, and by that I mean to my far left, he's the man who puts the pro into prototype. Yeah! <laughs> TDR previews director, Joseph D'Elia. Uh, Joe, how have you been? I have been pretty fantastic. I uh, actually went to Manhattan yesterday and ate like a king, so my pants don't really fit too well at this point in time. You had a wedding yesterday. How'd that go? I, I did. I had uh, two of my very good friends got married, and I, it was a fantastic wedding, and I overdanced, which we were talking about before the Ooh. show. Uh, <laughs> I bopped till I could bop no more. Uh, Fair enough. Very uh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, on, on to the show and less about dancing. We're pleased to welcome back Christos Reed. As our guest for this week, he is obviously a uh, friend of the show, he's a columnist for Gamernode, but his writing is to be found far and wide across the interwebs at such illustrious homes like IGN and The Escapist. So, Christos, now that you're working with our American friend, co-host, Eddie Pizzaman and Zato, are you getting used to these ridiculous recording times of, you know, midnight one that we go through for our American brethren? I am, I am indeed. I think the uh, the best training I had was doing the post-E3 uh, podcast, which is, I think the recording time was about an hour and 50 minutes. But me, him and Jason were all such colossal Nintendo fanboys. I think Metroid Gaiden kept us going until about four in the morning. <laughs> so it was an adrenaline rush to do it. Wow. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably one of the major reasons why we didn't do E3 recordings because we'd have got sucked into that same same uh, whirlpool too. On to this week's show topic, which is the fate of single-player gaming. Uh, it's nearly five months on from Dave Perry's infamous speech at this year's Dice Summit in Las Vegas, in which he played Nostradamus on the future of the video game industry, notably proclaiming that the days of single-player gaming are numbered. He went on to say that, without question, our focus is entirely on multiplayer, pointing towards free-to-play MMOs in particular. Perry's comments were mostly lambasted by the industry and the media at large, but we want to ask whether there's some truth to his vision of gaming's future without single-player gaming. Uh, as more and more games feature co-op play, multiplayer, where they didn't before, and I'm looking at you, Bioshock, and Uncharted 2, and the demand for these features to be included in each video game that is released rises are we going to see the death of the exclusively single player game or maybe even the death of single player gaming at large or does single player gaming actually have a bright future and what form will that future take 
Well, we'll get to those questions in a bit, but I wanted to ask my uh, pod panel of uh, Joan Christos for this week, uh, who are, as far as I'm aware, relatively normal sociable people. Uh, Joan, maybe not so much. Mm. Uh, whether they prefer single-player or multiplayer gaming, and why? So, Christos, are you a single-player gamer or a multiplayer gamer? I would say as both a person that doesn't like the outdoors and a natural coward, I would say single-player is probably my friend. Um, I think probably because... uh, Well, the reason is twofold. I think, A, there are different kinds of stress when you're playing single-player and multiplayer. In single-player, I find... You tend to get quite angry at yourself, whereas with multiplayer, I tend to get quite angry at other people. And although it's kind of more productive getting angry at other people, I think that whole uh, finally getting past that bit in a game that's been frustrating you for days and days and making you break, you know, several thousand controllers as the um, many, many Half-Life achievements have maybe done so this week have been far better than achieving something in, for example, Halo 3 multiplayer. I think getting through, for example the bits with antlion guards or jumping across lava filled pits in you know everything from Spyro to Banjo-Kazooie is far more satisfying than being the 50 millionth person in the world to get a double headshot with a Spartan laser. So so you mentioned Halo 3 there. I mean obviously multiplayer games have kind of become more prominent with the online shift. Did, were you always a, a single player game or, or and uh, have you found yourself being more of a multiplayer gamer with with the online shift or, or do you, have you kind of resolvedly stuck to single player gaming well it's changed over the years I grew up as a Nintendo kid so multiplayer wasn't really a large part of my diet up until I'd probably wager GoldenEye 64 um, which I suppose the majority of people played for the multiplayer but I found that the single player gamer and me got slightly ticked off when the same people that made GoldenEye 64 left Rare, formed Free Radical, made Time Splitters, which I've been uh, writing about all of this week. And I thought, awesome, I can have all my multiplayer fun with my friends, but I can have a great single-player experience for the person in me that's, you know, into The Legend of Zelda and Mario games. And what I ended up with was a very, very basic single-player with basically no story and not very much multiplayer. So I found that with the rise of Xbox Live, I will occasionally jump on and play Halo 3 or, you know, it's a massive advantage to be able to play through co-op with your friends or if you're frustrated with legendary difficulty, I can do it with either three people I barely know if I feel like hunting down random miscreants on the internet or I can play it with my friends. So it's, it's a nice option to have there, but I think at the end of the day I'm more of, a, I'm more of an introverted single-player gamer, I find. You, you mentioned uh, co-op there. Do you prefer co-op then to, to versus multiplayer? I do. I think there's something a lot more constructive about uh, co-op gameplay, definitely. I play all my co-op games with my girlfriend, and we've played everything from you know Halo Legendary to Gears of War on Hardcore, Gears of War 2, and I just think it's a lot more satisfying, namely because if you look at the recent trend in the difficulty level of multiplayer games, I've found that doing them co-op and doing them harder is actually a more social experience, I find, because occasionally, you know, we'll have to back each other up, and it's nice to sit there in person as opposed to over the internet and be able to say, right, I'm going to go forward, you cover me and stuff. And, you know, luckily for me as someone that, 
you know, couldn't headshot the side of a barn. I've got someone <laughs> that's, you know, sitting next to me that's very, very, very good at that. So it's nice to have that backup, and it's also nice to take down a really powerful boss and then just turn and, you know, high five. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Uh, it. it doesn't necessarily sound romantic but it does sound like a, a good lot of fun how about how about you joe uh are you more of a single player or a multiplayer i've always kind of been a more of a single player guy uh, i like multiplayer stuff but i tend to get bored by it very quickly because it's like with multiplayer it's kind of like the same maps the same uh match types the same weapons over and over nothing really changes that much and i find that people online always do the same things every time and while something like call of duty 4 is a blast to play like the 10,000th time you played a certain map with a certain mode and with a certain group of people it's just like i've done this before it's it's running through the motions like watching a movie that you already know the ending to kind of and um i don't know it it you know i mean i guess with since xbox live and and now psn they have all these features that like you, know, you can see exactly what your buddies are doing. You can see that they're playing this match, this mode, this time, and you can press one button and join their game immediately. Like that kind of thing has kind of made me play a little bit more multiplayer than I used to, because it's just so easy now to jump into their games and see exactly what they're doing and say, oh yeah, I could, I could see myself doing that now. But um, I still, by and large, prefer single player experiences. And are you like Crystals? Do you prefer co-op to versus play? Yeah, um, I mean, there's been some really well-designed co-op games over the past couple of years, very clever, and games that wouldn't have worked without the co-op aspects. And I think as long as they keep doing that, like if they shovel the co-op in, it never really works out. But even a game like Gears of War is so much more fun when you have another person with you. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely do. If I am playing something online, it's most likely going to be Left 4 Dead or something else like that with co-op. Um, what about you, Sam? What do you prefer? Well, well, before we get into me, I just thought it was really interesting that uh, both of you mentioned... Well, well Joe, kind of when, when I asked you, you immediately starts talking about maps and weapons and uh so you kind of associate multiplayer pretty much with shooters end of uh, sure. yeah and is that the same for you Christos really I'd say in a vast majority I think yeah. the only thing I played probably in the last two three years that was multiplayer online that wasn't a shooter was either Kingdom for Keflings which wasn't really so much a game as more of an experiment of how bored you could get with an avatar or or there was too human uh, but in that case it was kind of me logging on with my level 10 character and thinking you know I was the shit and then sort of seeing a level 50 Japanese player that plays 100 hours of two human a day and it kind of made me feel very inferior but I suppose Halo 3 kind of gives me the same sad cold feeling in my heart so <laughs> mainly shooters that's interesting because I, I i think i i differ from both of you in, in two regards and i think i i the multiplayer game that i most enjoy is actually not shooters i i tend to enjoy uh sports games or racing games uh but i tend to not really enjoy shooter multiplayer which is funny because i don't really enjoy cop compared to versus play i i i've kind of been thinking about this today and I realised I don't think it really reflects on me that well but I, I, I'm i pretty indifferent about single player versus multiplayer gaming but what I, I think I'm, I like about versus play is that I get to it's still a test of me and there's no one else no, no other factors involved which might compromise me and that I get to kind of show how good I am to other people which doesn't exactly really say wonders of me but I just I, I really get into the competitive side of it and I it's the kind of same kind of competitiveness I get with a single player game. It's just I'm fighting the the game, 
Whereas obviously in deathmatch or and see I'm saying deathmatch I'm kind of I'm kind of contradicting myself because uh, yeah I, I said I didn't really play shooters online but uh, yeah I, I I tend to not really enjoy co-op I tend to find a, a lesser player than I and I don't mean to sound pompous by that really annoys me and I can't deal with them <laughs> I just get very frustrated very quickly. See my problem with like verses and stuff is that. Like, as soon as that match is over, you really have nothing to show for it. Like, when you play single player, you beat a level, you have that. That's 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 solid. You'll never have to beat that level again. But with, like, versus, you know, same with co-op. But if you have two versus, it's just kind of like, okay, I place first this round, and then the new round starts, and all out gets raced. And that match really never happened. You know, I like the progression of single player and the co-op experience. I like that I'm actually accomplishing something by doing it that's not going to be forgotten a couple seconds later. That's why I don't really play multiplayer that much, because I feel I don't get anything out of it. I, I didn't know those sweet few moments at the end of, of the fight <laughs> when you see your name at the top of the leaderboard. Th- those are pretty fantastic to me. <laughs> It'll take a few seconds of joy for the experience. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so we, yeah, we we kind of got onto this already, but talking about the kind of the subtle differences between between single player and multiplayer gaming. And one of the things I, I've got down in my notes is that I, I think single player gaming for me can be a whole host of different things. Uh, it can be very, very diverse. It can be, uh, you know, something to do with endurance, or it can be sh- a short burst of gaming, or it, it can be something that's a bit silly, or something that's more ultra-competitive, or something that's just somewhere in between. Whereas I find with multiplayer gaming, it kind of, the ones I play anyway, it splits into two very distinct groups, which is either it's completely balmy, silly, ridiculous, you know, all your friends playing Grand Theft Auto 4 and playing the Stars game, or all jumping on Wii Fit and mucking around on the balance board or it's really ultra competitive and uh there's it's no holds barred everyone is is fighting to be the best and and that no one's giving an inch like i don't know if that if anyone else knows that that i i don't know if that's just my group of friends and how we play i don't know what you guys think um yeah i mean my my group of friends uh is very 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 competitive to the point where if you're losing you're not having fun it's like it's a total it's a total shift in in the way the game is being played. So, I, I I see like you know it depends. Like even like something like Mario Party can become fiercely competitive depending on what kind of group you're in. And I mean it is very enjoyable at times, but it also gets very stressful at times. That's why like my my friend's girlfriends and my girlfriend they don't really like playing with us because we get a little too angry when uh, when things aren't going our way. But um, yeah, it's different. It's it's strange. It's you know certain types of games really pull certain feelings out of people and like you walk into a room when halo is being played and you do not want to mess with any of those people those people are in the zone but you know if you're playing a couple rounds of burnout or something and you're flying around in your car it can be kind of fun so i guess it all depends on the group that you have to play with i play a colossal amount of team fortress 2 um probably an average of about 10 hours a week minimum and i found that i can play with a lot of anonymous people and i'll always have a really good time but I don't know about either of you, but if you've ever played the spy class and stabbed your friend in the back and watched their corpse fall down, and then their screenshot shows that you, their friend, were the person that stabbed them in the back, that transcends the game, I find. I've had people turn to me and just look at me with dead eyes to say, you know, how could you do that? And I think it's a lot more personal, but I mean, I I grew up with friends who would turn the console off when they're about to lose, and... That kind of sucks, but also because you can never actually get to the windscreen. But it's 
I guess it just kind of depends on what friends you have, really. I mean, I've had some fantastic experiences with multiplayer. I think, hands down, one of the best multiplayer experiences I ever had was discovering the domino control configuration for GoldenEye 64, which is essentially still single player, but one person's moving James Bond and the other person is doing the shooting. And I think when you've got 20 people in the room, either that or WarriorWare is a very big sort of party experience and it generates a lot of humour. So I think it all really depends on who you're playing with and where you're playing it. But I suppose you could simply just put a load of people down in front of, you know, I don't know, either WarriorWare or Fantasia by Disney, get them completely wasted and they'll probably have the time of their lives regardless. <laughs> The, um, one of the similar to what Christo said, one of the experiences that will always uh, stay in my mind was in the Splinter Cell uh, multiplayer mode on Xbox, because in that game you had there was two like two sides, spies and mercs, and the spies they didn't have any guns, but they could sneak up behind the mercs, grab them, and break their necks. And the greatest thing that was ever invented by anyone was the ability for the spies to talk to that person while they have them in the headlock before they break their neck. So basically, you have to sneak up behind this guy. If you do it successfully, you grab them, and you have about five seconds to talk to this person before you kill them. And there is nothing more satisfying than having your friend in a headlock and talking to him when he can't say anything back to you before you snap his neck into oblivion and drop him on the floor. So <laughs> that kind of stuff really, um, like that like personal uh, revenge type of thing. And like Burnout did it great, too. Um, Burnout Revenge, I think, did it, where it would keep track of how many times you would kill someone and every time you go into a match with them, it would say, this guy has an advantage on you. He's taken you down five more times than you've taken him down. So, like, you're really, really gunning for that person during the match. And, like, that kind of stuff, I prefer far more than, like, the first-person shooter thing because they, they make it kind of impersonal. But this, like, this small focus stuff where it's, like, aim for this guy. He's a dick while you're playing. is <laughs> some really great stuff. I totally agree. I mean, uh, I... I... I really like that you brought up Goldeneye Christmas because that really always was one of the games you play, played with all friends and uh, you know you saw the little name by you know Sinan has killed Joe or uh, Joe's called Christmas or whatever and it just it did kind of make it that little bit more personal uh, it's interesting that you both mentioned really two kind of sort of defining moments that you could you could instantly recall and I just because you, you're both said that you prefer single player gaming what do you think about the idea of being able to say in, in Fallout 3, which I, I know you're both, you've both played, the standout moments from those games, being able to share that with a friend rather than having to retell them. I mean, what if what if you could have someone there just alongside you in in those games? And I, I guess what I'm just asking you is to kind of consider your favourite moments from single player games and want and and to wonder whether it would really change it if there was someone there alongside you playing with you. Uh, would that make it better or would it make it different and remove the personal personal side of it? Personally, for me, when I discovered Fallout 3 for the first time, everyone saw the uh, poster that had the dog on it, dog meat, and try as I might, I could never find him in a single-player game, but my first thought upon seeing him was how awesome would it be to get you and three, maybe even seven other friends and become like a ragtag bunch of mercenaries or even just eight kids that grew up together in Vault 101 escaped and then made their journey across the wasteland of Washington, D.C. Because to me, that sounded so much more poetic, so much more of a team effort. I think Fallout 3 is probably one of the best games I've ever played, but at times was really depressing. The isolation was really quite suffocating at times. And it was almost nice to have 
your dad or other characters with you at some points during the game, even if, you know, every time you went within 500 meters of a two-headed cow, they would run off, aggro every enemy within 20 miles, just so they could brain this cow with their bare fists and then die in front of you. But I just think to have eight players there would be great, but the problem, I think, with a lot of single-player games is they're structured in a way that would make it quite difficult for somebody to run off... um, Joe came up with a very good example, which is Burnout Paradise, where Paradise City is seamless, so it's very easy for people to run off. But if you could imagine, for example, I don't know, Crash Bandicoot 2, for example, where there was a hub world, and you could imagine eight different players going into different levels at the same time, or the same parts of the same level, and blowing up bridges that can't be rebuilt, or Red Faction Gorilla blowing up a bridge that then means none of the other people on your team can progress past that point. I think would cause probably more problems than it solves, but it, it is a fascinating concept. Well, uh, the way I like to think of it is that, you know, if you're going to not dramatically change the way the game is, like, say, Fallout, you take Fallout the way it is now and you implement some type of call feature in it, I think the way that um, Crackdown did it was very clever because you would jump into someone else's game. I think Fable 2 does it like this, too. But you jump into someone else's game, and you're basically in their world, and that guy can go on missions, and you could help them, pretty much, and you get some stuff out of it, too. But basically, you're just helping your friend out in his single-player experience. And I think something like that would work in Fallout, where you jump into someone else's capital wasteland, and you could pick stuff up, you could bring it back to your world if you want. But, you know, you're still in someone else's game. It wouldn't dramatically change the way it's being played because you're still in a single-player world. You're just able to jump in there and check it out with them. Um, the only problem with that would be that, um, it, I mean, if you have someone with you, it does change things quite a bit. It's like if you're talking on the phone while you're playing a video game. Like, you're going to get into, you're going to tell these stories to each other. You're going to be talking. You're not really going to be paying attention as much um, if, you know, you were doing a maybe a, a versus game or something like that, you're going to kind of wander off and the cutscenes are going to be a little harder to you know, grasp because you're both going to be th- trying to watch it at the same time, talking to mm. each other and stuff. Um, but other than that, I think that you know, implementing some type of uh, co-op similar to Crackdown into these big games would be a great way to take that type of experience. I've just been uh, playing Crackdown this weekend, um, hoping to, to uh, be part of the, the, the Crank Game as UK replay. Uh, show when it when it uh, comes around to playing that to talking about that sorry but uh yeah we ha- i had a cop uh, session uh which wasn't very productive <laughs> uh mostly just going around beating the hell out of randoms and uh exploding as much as possible which was fun but uh i don't know the thing about say with 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 crackdown or fable 2 i i like in principle the idea of someone else in the world going about and helping me out but at the same time it almost kind of feels pointless it's almost like it's just saying well what he it could be anyone there i mean apart from just being able to talk to him over xbox live and occasionally meet up with him at the end of the day you're just having someone doing past the game for you whilst which you could have done yourself and it almost removes some of the experience for you from you and uh i, I don't know i guess what another thing is if you had that, this is what, what Chris was saying. If you had it in Fallout Three, a, a group of eight of you being able to go into this world, wouldn't that? Is it a good thing that it's removing the depressing aspect to that game? Is it is it a good thing that it's removing the idea of being isolated? Because I think one of the important things for for when I played Fallout Three was that feeling of being isolated and, and alone. 
Well, I think it depends on the game. Like, God know would I want Bioshock to have any type of co-op, because that's the kind of thing that you want to do by yourself. And my gut reaction to Resident Evil 5 was, what the hell, they're going to take the scares out of that game. By having another person there, it's not going to be scary at all. And it kind of wasn't, but mm. I mean, I don't think it would have been if it was single player either. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely depends on the experience. But, like perhaps Fallout would not be the best case for this, just because it would, as you said, kind of take away from the the immersion of the experience, the, the feeling of being this the, the lone wanderer in this giant wasteland. But I think any game like Crackdown, for example, and the game like Fable Two, even um, even though it, it doesn't really as you said, you're not really accomplishing much. It just feels like there's a dude wandering into your world, you know, messing stuff up. The option to have that there, like, you probably wouldn't want to do the whole game like that, but the option, if you're playing this game for 20, 30 hours, the option to spend a couple of those hours just doing something different with someone else, inviting someone else into your world, I think is a really great option. And even if, if I mean, you don't want to do it, you turn it off, and that's it. Mm. But if you do want to do it, that's there. You could totally have some fun with it that way. And it gives you a great way to replay the game if you want to go back through it with someone else. That's a totally different way to play this this solitary experience that I think would be a lot of fun. I guess it's really about whether it infringes on the game, uh, which I guess we're going to come to it in a second. Uh, you know, the, the idea you were saying about, uh, Joe, about things being built and structured for single-player games and uh yeah i i think with crackdown it, it lends itself far far better than say something like fallout 3 um i mean one of the things you mentioned bioshock as well i just i i, I played with that game and my girlfriend watched me play the entirety of it and i don't know is that kind of is that, is that not a form of single player gaming being multiplayer because i really i really enjoy watching other people play and i think a lot of people do enjoy watching other people play and i I don't know if that's just as good as sharing experience. I think it probably depends on whether or not you're a complete control freak. Like <laughs> um, wow. Because I think, I think if I started with anything else, I would probably be skirting around the main issue. Um, I find I really enjoy watching other people play games, but I find at times when I watch them and they do something and I know that they're you know walking the wrong way down a corridor or something, you're always tempted to be like, well... You know, you could walk that way. But at the same time, if it's a single-player experience, you don't want to say anything because for them, it's not so much going the wrong way. It's a journey of discovery. And, you know, as poetic as that sounds, and I promise you it's not, um, I find that it's this weird sort of intricate balance between saying, you know, oh, my God, how could you miss that opening in the wall that was covered by that texture that's exactly the same as all the other textures on this wall? And, you know, clapping someone when they finish a really difficult level. And I've found more and more recently I'm kind of slipping into this sort of old, kind, wizened man agenda of sort of applauding people and watching them play. And I, f I think it's more interesting because more and more now we're getting a lot of games with moral choices and, you know, open world environments. And I think it's fascinating to watch the way I play GTA 4 or Fallout 3 compared to the way my girlfriend plays GTA 4 or Fallout 3. And sometimes it will point out mistakes. I mean, she's, you know, really good at exploring the environment and she'll find, you know, hidden Lambda caches in Half-Life or she'll find, you know, areas and quests in Fallout 3 that I never did because I was too impatient to explore my environment. And I think it's always very interesting to gain a different perspective. I suppose in the same way that if you were a footballer, maybe you would watch a lot of football focusing on specific footballers to see what they do and what they do differently and how you can incorporate that into your own um, 
strategy every time you step back onto the pitch, I think, is the same for me watching somebody else play a video game. I think that um, another thing, just to add on to that, is that um, like I think that the achievement point system and the trophy system really kind of offers that. Like You can't necessarily watch the other person play, but you can see what choices they make just by looking at their achievements. You can see, oh, well, he killed this guy because he got that point and stuff like that. And I think that it, the achievement points have kind of offered a way to make like single-player games a communal experience because you can look at what people, you know, a person score in a game and you can say, oh, I could beat that. It becomes almost a versus uh, opportunity for you to, to jump on someone else and try and beat what they've done, and and you can also see what what they did in the game by looking at their their their, their trophies and their points. So I think that kind of um, that that's added a new chapter to single player gaming, a new way to experience it, a new way to to kind of ch- challenge your friends in a way that wasn't offered before. Well, I, I I'd agree and disagree. I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right, but I'm not saying I'm not sure it's saying it wasn't there before. I think it was it's just easier now. It's more accessible. We always had single player games with leaderboards, which is essentially what you're you're kind of getting at. Really, right. it's the idea of having something that you can uh, some you can see what someone else has done with their play, and 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 I guess it's the difference between maybe between challenging or whatever. And uh, I guess you you are kind of right saying that achievements and trophies do inadvertently offer this different way of kind of. <laughs> um, looking in on what, how do people play? I don't know. I mean, it's again interesting that you, the games you mentioned, Crystals, because I was sort of thinking watching my girlfriend play Mario Galaxy. It's like I have to sit on my hands and just go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's fine. You just keep dying. It's okay, really. <laughs> don't worry. It's just like, but if she's playing something like you know, um, like GTA, like you said, or or uh, she's. She was even playing Infamous, and even then that's a bit less technical than Mario Galaxy. I can take that. <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> it was like torture for my brain, honestly. Um, so, it, it, you know, we've been, been talking about kind of single-player gaming from, from days gone by and, and how it is now. It's interesting that we're kind of in, in a shift where we're seeing, in particular, you know, two games in Uncharted and Bioshock, which we when we first saw them, they, their single-player experience that they offered in the photo, those games was distinctive, and there was no way anyone could have imagined that either could have offered a multiplayer experience. And yet, both are now, their sequels are coming out with multiplayer uh, options. And uh, I believe in both cases, the multiplayer is being shipped off to separate development teams. But one of the major problems people raise, one of the major issues people raise is the idea of a lack of focus from development teams uh, on on the single-player experience, you know, single-player experience being ruined by this tact on multiplayer. I mean, have you guys noticed that of any, any games you've played in particular? I think, um, tacking on to what you said about Bioshock 2, I think it was actually, as far as I'm aware, only last Friday, um, 2K Marin announced that they've just added a fourth developer onto Bioshock 2, so they've now got 2K Marin, 2K Australia, Digital Extremes, Dana Multiplayer, and now Arcane Studios, who did Dark Messiah, and I'm kind of beginning to get the feeling of sort of too many cooks spoil the broth, Right. really. I mean, Bioshock for me is a single-player game. The multiplayer element that Digital Extremes has created is fantastic. I mean, I've, I've got to give it to them. It's It's pretty intelligent, but... It just seems like ever since Ken Levine has left the project, it's sort of not so much gone downhill, but the essence of what Bioshock is has changed. Because to me, it seems a little illogical that you have a 
uh, prototype Big Daddy and Penny Arcade tacked onto this the other day that could fire plasmids and guns at the same time and do this, all this amazing, powerful stuff. And then they went, awesome, we've got this really powerful Big Daddy that would be perfect for protecting a little um, a little sister against um, you know splices in the Rapture environment. So what we're going to do is we're going to take away all his powers and mass produce him. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think the idea of playing multiplayer as you, you as a splicer in your room as a test subject playing against a bunch of other splicers and then being able to get into a big, big daddy suit makes more sense. I think being a big daddy was, in the first game, essentially just, I suppose, to Jack the big daddy suit what is what a mushroom is to Mario. It was a temporary sort of power-up and, you know, it wasn't exactly a star, but it was... You know, it was enough to increase the sort of gaming experience to a level where you could enjoy it a lot more because there was a lot less risk. But then again, I suppose if you're not afraid of using Vita chambers, there w- there was no risk. But the fact that they're tacking on multiplayer to everything now is a bit tedious. I think Fable 2's multiplayer was a good idea at the time, but I think it could have worked out a lot better. I mean, I've I've played it in multiplayer, and I think the thing that frustrated me most was what they should have done was had two separate camera screens because by and large it is open world but what they actually did was just essentially relegated player two to the screen of player one and that became very frustrating because if you're not a fan of using a headset there's no autonomy you just essentially get dragged along behind player one and I think this is essentially kind of the crux of my very long-winded argument is that I think tacking on multiplayer to something that made its name being a single player experience usually tends to spoil it. Maybe maybe Joe with Uncharted 2 it's even it's a bit more dubious because of uh, specifically with the, with the multiplayer because you know it is a shooter at the end of the day and there are plenty of shooters with multiplayer as we've we've mentioned but the first Uncharted was so cinematic and experienced that it felt like a story that should be only told to one player. Uncharted 2 is is Sony's big game for the fall. It's number one. I mean, there's there's really nothing else of its caliber coming out in America this fall. And to to become that, it has to have a multiplayer mode. I think. I think that it it has to. Games have to be kind of like be a total package now because single player games, single player only games, are kind of becoming rentals to most people if you look at you know, Dead Space. What they said on there was an article last week about how Dead Space was played by three times as many people that bought it um, because it had no type of multiplayer, nothing to extend the experience. And I think that uh, Uncharted has to kind of have something. And I think that the fact that uh, I played the beta of Uncharted and the fact that they actually made something really, really strong out of the base of Uncharted uh, just goes to show you how great a team Naughty Dog is. They made something worthy out of it. Um, whether or not Bioshock ends up being a, a worthy uh, addition to the game, it's unknown. But I mean, the, one of the, the biggest complaint from everyone after not not the press, of course, but the fans, the biggest complaint to all the people out there was that there was no bi- a multiplayer in the original Bioshock. And of course, none of us really thought it was needed, but a lot of people wanted it. A lot of people needed that in there. And I think had Bioshock 2 come out with no multiplayer, it wouldn't have sold as well as it's going to. And I think that that's kind of the way the games have to be now. They have to have all these options for people, otherwise they won't buy them when they come out. So it's, it's not a matter of whether or not it needed it. It was much a matter of, it, you know, it, it absolutely had to have it, otherwise the sales wouldn't have been as good. 
do you really believe? I mean, I, I, I agree with you on Uncharted 2, but do you really believe Bioshock 2 wouldn't have sold as well if it hadn't had multiplayer on? I, I, I don't know whether I'm putting too much faith in the, the gaming audience at large, but I, I think a large chunk of people who were going to buy Bioshock 2 may not have because it had bio, multiplayer included. I don't think anyone would not buy it for that reason. It's just something like, for me personally, I'll probably try it once and then never touch it again. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's actually going to sell more because of the multiplayer mode. I think that people will see that as they're going to spend their $60 on the game. They could either spend their $60 on Bioshock 2 or they could spend it on something like Call of Duty or another shooter that has all of these extra modes. Something like Resistance 2, which has three different modes in it, all of this gameplay that you know was not offered by Bioshock. And I think for the people that only buy three, four games a year... They're not going to buy a single-player-only experience for 60 bucks, even if it is Bioshock. I mean, if you look at the sales numbers for Bioshock 1, they aren't as good as most other games. They, it sold a couple million, but it didn't sell six, seven million copies. I think it needs to have all these options in it to satisfy people. Take, for example, Assassin's Creed, which, okay, let's ignore the actual quality of the game. That was a single-player game that sold excellently. Right. Uh, do you think that... And what what has anything changed in that time to suggest that uh, you know every game that wants to be a blockbuster hit has to have a multiplayer thing tacked on, or can a single player game do the numbers that say Call of Duty is doing? I don't think a single player game could do the numbers Call of Duty is doing now. I think that I mean Assassin's Creed exploded and that game sold ridiculous numbers. But if you look at the follow, I mean one year later the same team put out Prince of Persia, which sold maybe one eighth of what Assassin's Creed sold. Um, I think with Assassin's Creed, it was more marketing than anything else. And um, I don't... I mean, if you look at the top ten selling games every year uh, of the Xbox 360 and PS3 titles, the ones that have, like, a strong multiplayer community, most of those games have some type of multiplayer in them. And I think that's why people are putting multiplayers into Bioshock, into Uncharted, and I think they see that these games have to have this stuff for them to sell absurd numbers. I think I kind of agree with both of you. I mean, in sort of more reference to the Bioshock 2 thing than anything. Um, and yes, I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming back to this title, because I think it's a fairly <laughs> good example. Um, what Joe said was essentially he thinks it's going to sell more because it's multiplayer. And I agree with that probably for quite a bizarre reason, which is if you cast your mind back to, you know, five years ago where 90% of games were games of, you know, for example, a Disney Pixar film, there wouldn't just be a Disney Pixar film for GameCube. There would be a Disney Pixar film for, you know, GameCube and the Xbox and the PlayStation 2. And do you see what I mean? It was like, it was multi-platform. And I think that's actually what they're doing now. I think essentially they've, you know, you've got the PSP market and DS market. But if you want your game so well, you have it on both platforms and you try and make it work in its individual ways on both platforms. And I think that's what they're attempting to do with Bioshock 2 because you've got so many developers. But as daunting as the prospect of four developers on a single game is, you have to bear in mind that the game is actually really different in every instance. So essentially, it's kind of like, you know when you're in an airport and you're looking for cheap board games to play on the plane, and they have like a four and one, and it's like, you know, it's Scrabble and Connect Four and Chess and Checkers all in one. And it appeals to four different groups of people who like four different games. With Bioshock, it's essentially a Bioshock game that will appeal to the Sinan contingent and to the Joe contingent, but it's also a multiplayer game that will appeal to everybody else that 
isn't as into single player as they are multiplayer. So it's essentially kind of a multi-platform within a platform. I mean, I guess what you guys are, are arguing, which I just don't like the idea of, and I don't mean any offence to this guy or anyone who has liked this guy in particular, but you're saying there is a, there's, there's someone who goes into a, a game store sees the top games chart, you know, and, and goes, oh, look, Bioshock 2, looks to the back, no multiplayer, well, I'm not getting that, then. I mean, I just, I'm sure that, that those people exist, I just don't like the idea, and I, it, it just makes me think of Call of Duty 4 and how the multiplayer side of that game got so much coverage and the single-player side of that game was so strong and didn't get nearly enough coverage, and... I mean, this is this the thing. Is, is multiplayer gaming not just affecting maybe the development of single-player gaming, but how it's regarded by the audience and the press at large. I think it's quite interesting that you've touched on Call of Duty 4 there because I hate the multiplayer. I can't stand it. But the single player was actually one of the best FPS single player experiences I've ever had on a console. I agree, absolutely. I mean, I sat there, you know, I started playing at maybe like 7 in the evening or something and I was still sitting there at 4, 5, 6 in the morning um, on the same campaign. It's one of the few times I've played an FPS campaign start to finish without moving. Um, I thought it was great. I loved it. I loved the way it was put together. I thought the story was brilliant. Um, <laughs> and this is coming from, you know, a student of English literature. But um, I, th- I thought it was fantastic. I thought everything was really well represented. I thought the opening level on the boat was, you know, just as atmospheric as the plane crash at the beginning of Bioshock. And then I played the multiplayer and I was just like, well... This is essentially just kind of Counter-Strike, but with a few more tidbits thrown in. I, I, I couldn't stand the multiplayer. And I've walked into uh, game stores, and I've picked up games, and I've read that they have a multiplayer, and then I've put them down. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, when I first saw Call of Duty 4, I thought, mm, I played the Call of Duty games, they don't sound that great, and I didn't buy it because it had a multiplayer. Because I knew that everyone would flock to the multiplayer, and a single player would go vastly unreviewed, vastly uncovered so I'd have nothing to go on and obviously when when you're younger you kind of rely on reviews I think a lot more when you're not writing about games, when you're just reading about them, that's your source of information sure. but when you're writing about them obviously you've got hands on at preview events and things like this and you can decide for yourself what it's going to be like before you pick it up on the shelf but something about there's, there's just something about um, a multiplayer continued that's just been hyped to the point of insanity that kind of puts me off trying the game at all, even if the single player is really good, because I just know that, you know, if I ever enter into a conversation about that game, it's always going to be about the multiplayer. You will never ever hear a conversation between a group of, you know, ten sort of masculine guys about Gears of War's single player and how, you know, you thought the scene with, you know, Dom and Maria made you cry. <laughs> oh, but I want gonna... to see that conversation I want to hear it, that would be fantastic you see I've had that conversation <laughs> I'm I'm not ashamed that, that scene brought tears to my eyes and that was really weird because I think the story for Gears of War is ridiculous but it was a, I thought it was really touching but obviously I can't have that conversation with the vast majority of people because everyone's into multiplayer and for me Gears of War multiplayer isn't so much tactics and cover as it is just learning how to roll backwards in the air and fire your shotgun at the same time. <laughs> and, you know, to log into a multiplayer server and be headshotted within three seconds, ten times in a row on ten different servers with ten different groups of players kind of made me think that the, mul- the multiplayer was treating me quite badly and the single player was a better friend. 
but I don't know. What was your uh, what were your sort of single player experiences like with games like sort of quite war focused games like Call of Duty Four and stuff like that? Uh, well, I I wrote uh, something about Call of Duty Four a few months back, and this was around, uh, just before the uh, the six days uh, game was uh, making all its headlines. Uh, the game that was going to focus on the war in Iraq. Uh, six days in Fallujah. That's right. For for listeners who don't know, uh, I've got a, a Iraqi background, and my parents both are Iraqi. Um, yeah, I, I with Call of Duty Four, it it it's, it was for me anyway, and this is getting a bit too personal specific. But for me, it was kind of playing it and sort of reflecting on it and wondering, you know, I'm enjoying this. Uh, I like the story, da, 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 but I know it's what it's actually about, and what does that say about me that I'm able to play this game, knowing that you know I've got family there, or whatever. Uh, so Call of Duty Four is, is a particularly bad example, really, for me to go into because it's all <laughs> a bit personal and muddled up. But I, you know, with with War games in general, I tend to find the stories are mostly shit to really shit. Uh, whereas with Call of Duty Four, it was it was very impressive. Um, did have a question from what something Christos said for you, Joe, because uh, you, you mentioned Christos that uh, you know as as journalists we get a lot of hands-on time with games, and uh, I was wondering, Joe, maybe you know we've got three games journalists here, and uh, two of us are kind of maybe a bit burnt out on multiplayer do you think that maybe it's because to be honest, we, we play more games than the average person and then this guy who I was talking about who walks into the store and buys that that game of multiplayer that's his one game for the year and he wants to play it to play with his friends oh yeah absolutely I mean uh, most of the people that I associate with um, around this area uh, who are gamers um, are that person right um, they buy my friends buy two three games a year they'll buy Left 4 Dead they'll buy Call of Duty they'll buy Guitar Hero and that's it and the all the only thing my friend one of my friends actually will not play any single players. All he plays is multiplayer stuff. Like he's played, he has no achievement points in either of the last Call of Duties because all he's played is multiplayer in them. And it's really strange because, um, like he's you know all, all these people are very good at the multiplayer. They get into it, they enjoy it, they love it. Yet they don't really have the interest in going into the campaign. And I, I think it's very strange. And I mean, I, I like I play with them just because I enjoy playing with them. I enjoy the, the you talking to them and stuff like that. But um, the way that they play those games and the way that I play those games tend to go down two different tracks. And they do get into the competition aspect of it. They do get into that, and they, they hold things over each other's heads, and they make fun <laughs> of people they find online and stuff. So, yeah, I think that, you know, if, if I wasn't um, really into as game, as game you know into playing as many games as I like to play, and I, I would probably be that way, too, where I'd pick up two, three games a year, and I'd play the hell out of the multiplayer. So let them last for six months. Um, and a lot of people, honestly, they don't want to spend, you know, 60 bucks every couple weeks on a new game. They want to just buy one and let it last for a, a while. And that's totally cool. That's that's really what's cool about gaming now is that there's so many different types of people playing these games that they can just do what they want with what they buy. Um, and that's why I was saying, like, with Bioshock, I think people are going to say, yeah, I could play this game for three months. I will buy this game. Whereas before, they probably would have bought it used or waited until it got cheap or something. Mm. Now, I actually want to ask you a question, too. Um, based on what we've been saying, do you think that if Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 2, do you think that that didn't have a multiplayer mode, that it would sell 5 million copies? Okay, right. Okay. Uh, no, obviously it wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, like, right. I, you know, I think that it's a great... I mean, the single player is fantastic in that game. It really is. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Pretty much the only thing I'm looking forward to in that game. But, I mean, you know, what do you think the, the reaction would be to that? Oh, that would be outrage. Um... I mean, I, I'm, I, yeah, I, I appreciate that uh, 
the majority of people play Call of Duty for its multiplayer. And uh, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, with these multiplayer games, the, uh, say with Halo 3 and Call of Duty 4, even if it's a, you're talking at a mass level, or you're talking at a very specific forum level, there's a community aspect with multiplayer games. And, uh, you know, even this guy, this we're talking about this really casual uh, guy who only plays free games all year, he, he may well log into a forum or he may have a group of friends that he plays with. In any case, he has his own, his own community um, that he plays with. And I think, you know, if you remove that from someone and say, here's that, that game you like, you just can't play it in that community anymore, you're going to get outraged. You're going to get people uh, absolutely, absolutely frustrated and outraged. Um, having said that... I'd love to see Infinity War brave, be brave enough to say, you know what, we're going to focus on a single-player game and make it brilliant. Because I think they've got the tools there to do it with that, that series, and it would be brilliant. And I don't know, at the same time, like they did it Call of Duty 4, they did both sides pretty damn well, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess what we're going to, we're coming to Dave Perry's comments, which we mentioned at the top of the show, about uh, him saying that the single-player gaming's days are numbered, and that... Uh, the future lies in online free-to-play MMOs. Now, okay, I think all three of us here are going to maybe not agree with him on the, the online free-to-play MMOs as the the future for certain for, for for gaming. I think that's maybe a bit ridiculous. And there's anyone I don't know, Christos, do you think there's any worth in what he's saying about about free-to-play online MMOs being the the end goal, really, the end game for gaming? I think that sometimes I have a difficult time deciding what I dislike more, free-to-play online MMOs or terrorism. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right. Okay, that's that's a slight exaggeration, but you you kind of get what I mean. Just just remind you, Chris, I work for uh, MMO Hub, (laughs) who who, uh, specifically talk about free-to-play MMOs, but carry on. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, this is the thing. I mean, I did... um, I did a review of uh, Battlefield Heroes, which I enjoy, um, but that's not really an online RPG. What I did do a preview of recently was a online free-to-play MMORPG uh, called Dragonica, which is essentially sort of little chibi, super-deformed manga people running around, and it was kind of a cross between uh, Metal Slug, um, World of Warcraft, and Devil May Cry, to give you a rough idea Whoa. of the, the the immense complexity. And I thought, oh my god, this looks absolutely terrible. Um, and I started playing. And admittedly, most of my prejudices came from the fact that, A, I don't really think you're going to find an MMO that's going to provide more fun and depth than World of Warcraft, and B, that I just don't like the genre. And I was surprised, and I was actually logging hours up till 5 in the morning after my preview was done, because I found it so enjoyable, because A, it was free, but, you know, then again, at the same time, if you're a games journalist, I mean, for example, my EVE Online account is kind of free as well. <laughs> so, you know, and and then there, you know, you can train skills in real time, and apparently it takes 33 years in real time to train every skill in EVE Online, but I can log on for free once a month, set up a month's worth of training and log off again. But with three MMOs, I think you've really got to force yourself to put the time in. I don't really think they're a future of multiplayer, but I do think they're going to be ridiculously popular. I mean, anyone that works closely with game sites knows that if you've got a generic um, game advertising space that you've leased to an agent, you're going to get at least one advert for Ebony, which have got steadily and steadily more visually ridiculous as time goes on. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) um, To say the very least. Um, But at the same time, games like RuneScape 
helped build an online community of gamers the likes of which you know Call of Duty 4 isn't going to see in a million years because it was millions of people playing this game because a it was graphically simple so everybody played it for the vast you know majority of reasons that people still play the sims is because it's a great game with a good format but it works for everyone and i think that's where the main for me of free to play mo's is because I've you know I've got a very powerful gaming laptop, but at the same time, sometimes I don't want to tax it. Sometimes I don't want to play Crisis on full settings. Sometimes I just want to play something that's simple enough, so I know it's always going to run at full speed. It's always going to be enjoyable. But as the uh, the MMO hub sort of uh, marketing <laughs> minion for the night, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm quite curious about your opinion on the genre. Obviously, it's going to be vaguely positive because I'm not going to cost you your job. But <laughs> I think, um, well, I mean, I, 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 um, with Dave Perry's comments, I think it's ridiculous to say that that's where the future of gaming lies. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, free-to-play MMOs. Obviously, um, a they're free, b I like MMOs. It's very, pretty much simple as that. I don't really feel like I need to defend the genre more than that. But uh, I, I think there's plenty more in gaming than MMOs and uh, free-to-play. I think uh, there'll be a few big companies who'd have a thing to say about free-to-play taking over uh, in gaming. So uh, I just find for him to pinpoint that as a future is, a, is an odd thing. Um, but more specifically, you know, obviously we're talking about um, single-player gaming and, and uh, Dave Perry, obviously, you know... Uh, Guy in charge of Shiny, he's not. He's a, he's a respected guy. He's had some uh, some good experience in his career. He's he's done some good stuff. I mean, Joe. He's not the only one by any stretch to say that single player gaming is on the way out. So, what what are your thoughts? Do you think, as you kind of suggested earlier in the show, if there's a way to fit in multiplayer, then it could only be a good option. I mean, is there is there a chance that single-player gaming is going to start dwindling to the point where it's more of a niche than a, a, a strong part of the market? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, you know, a, a large part of the people who have consoles these days still aren't online, which is crazy. But it's the truth. And I think that that's going to keep a lot, you know, them from really pushing that. I do think that, like, stuff like the agency might change things where, you know, um, putting more MMO aspects into, like, a third-person shooter might become... Uh, possibility for the future but i don't think single player will ever go away because there are people like me and like many others that just you know want to have a very scripted carefully thought out experience uh, as opposed to just the anarchy that is most multiplayer things and i think that um at least for the immediate future that will not change i think that we'll see more stuff like crackdown though where there is this little bonus mode where you can totally jump into someone else's game stuff like that and, you know, they will probably innovate on the achievement system, come up with a new way to make single-player gaming more communal. But, um, no, I don't think there will be single-player modes will be going away at all. Okay, I'll, I'll take that a step further then, because you made a really good point earlier about uh, Dead Space and Moon's Edge. Do you think we're going to see the death of shorter, exclusively single-player games, which could, like those two games, be rented? Uh, because I, I suspect after what EA said about uh, those two games... You could see a lot of companies very apprehensive about making anything similar in terms of length that's single-player exclusive. See, I think if companies just used their pricing more wisely, I think that that wouldn't have been a problem. I think if Mirror's Edge came out at 40 bucks, that game would have sold really well. 
I think it's it's. I know these games are expensive to make, but I think right. that charging sixty bucks for Mirror's Edge, the same price that Fallout Three costs, is ridiculous. And if if the like if EA puts out Mirror's Edge Two at forty bucks, I think it'll do great. I think you know Dead Space would do great. I don't think you need to shoehorn a multiplayer mode into those two games just to get them to sell better. I think that if you know companies are just smarter about the way that they advertise these games and about the way that they price these games, um, they will do better than they have been doing. I think Bionic Commando is a great example of a game that should have been more... Like, they put out that multiplayer demo and no single-player demo at all, and it sold like crap. And I think had they focused more on the single-player, maybe put it out 10 bucks cheaper than it was, it probably would have done a lot better than it did. And I think the companies have to be a bit wiser about what people are expecting out of games these days, especially when they drop 60 bucks on it the day it comes out. Well, this is the thing. This is one of the things people never mentioned about Mad World at the end of the day. Like, right. you know, for, for all it's like it's a mature game on the Wii, the the the. the um, it was a really short game that was, yeah. you know, had attacked on, uh, uh, what's the word, local multiplayer mode rather than online. So I rented, no, I bought it, but I bought it when it came down in price to like £10 over here. So, That's what uh, I did, yeah. yeah. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Chris? Hmm. Um, when I read that Dave Perry quote, I think I flashed back to roughly when it happened. I didn't take him too seriously. And then I, uh, I read it again tonight, and I sort of I started delving into him because he was one of those names where obviously he's not going to conjure as many images as Gabe Newell or Tim Schafer instantly. But the more I read, the more I recognised. And to be honest, I have this to say, which is essentially just if Tim Schafer or Shigeru Miyamoto or Hideo Kojima told me that single player was going out the window and it wasn't the future of video games, I think I'd I'd probably have an aneurysm. But <laughs> if Dave Perry, creator of Earthworm Jim and the Simpsons game, was, you know, to tell me that single player is on its way out the window, I would say, well, yeah, it's on its way out the window for you because all the single player games you've made have been, by and large, not that great. I mean, Earthworm Jim as a concept was great. The games were okay. But if you look back across his sort of, you know, fat CVs worth of games, the vast majority of them have either been movie tie-ins, which kind of are essentially disgusting distortions of what a video game should be in terms of single player, or just bad. And I think that, I just think that he could have picked a far better spokesman. I think if you had, for example... I don't know, EJ Morland, who's you know, the lead designer on APB, and he was saying, you know, multiplayer is the future of gaming. Fair enough. Look at, you know, look at All Points Bulletin. That's an amazing multiplayer game. If you look to, you know, Mag coming to the uh, PS3, you know, 256 players in a single space is, you know, it's sort of you're breaching the gap between an MMO and, you know, just a console FPS. I think those people I could take seriously, but... The, I suppose, I don't know, I think it's probably also because I have a lot of prejudice against Acclaim because they sucked up a lot of my sort of Game Boy-related pocket money and <laughs> really gave anything oh, back to me. Um, but I just think that there's something about the way he sort of, he phrased everything. I mean, admittedly, they said that they saved hundreds of thousands of dollars by getting gamers to translate the game sure. into their native language through a PHP program on the web and how he thinks that, you know, he doesn't want to make a single-player game again. Well, I suppose it sounds spiteful, but if you're a best example of, you know, a single-player game 
that you made was, you know, Enter the Matrix, then quite frankly, I think single-player games are probably better off without you. But I just, I suppose it just depends on who the source is, really. And I just think he wasn't the best person for that to come through. Though his reasoning is his reasoning is sound. If you look at um, Japanese culture at the moment, um, ignoring all the crazy weird stuff that seems to be coming out of that country recently, you've got a massive, massive cult of people that will sit in web cafes sometimes for as long as twenty, you know, twenty-four, forty-eight hours in one go and sit and play free-to-play online MMOs like Dragonica and things like that and uh, Maple Story. And they will play them, and there are millions of them, and you get people from, you know, 60-year-old businessmen to 10-year-old kids playing them. And there's a huge culture over there, and I think if there's anything we've learned about video games, it is Japanese game culture is essentially our game culture, but kind of 10 years in front in terms of sort of social interaction. I think they were sort of, they had their equivalent of World of Warcraft raiding years and years and years before we all spent, you know, lonely Saturday nights in Molten Core. Right. But I think he makes he makes a good point, but it was the wrong time to make it. I think. I think okay. If I, I don't know if I, I quite get on board with your saying that it, because it's Dave Perry, then we can't necessarily take it too seriously. Because okay, no one, no Miyamoto, Kojima, Gabe Newell has come out and said anything to to that effect. But if you look at Valve, rather than making Half Life Two Episode Three this year, they're going to make Left for Dead Two another multiplayer game. If you look at Bioware, they're moving on to uh, the Old Republic, an MMO game, where dropping kind of, you know, okay, Dragon Age is coming out, but that Bioware were traditionally a single-player game company. They made games that had parties of plenty of characters, but was all controlled by one, one player. And you look at a lot of development teams, and uh, they are switching over to multiplayer gaming. So maybe no... Uh, Icons, none of none of the people we kind of look to as kind of almost like the philosophers of our industry are saying anything as much. But the actions almost speak louder than words. Moments, and there is a shift. Uh, the most development teams are producing multiplayer games rather than just exclusively single player games. I, I think it would be fair to say there's a, m- more games out there that have multiplayer in them than there are that don't. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's just a matter of uh, these companies being really smart and trying to branch out a bit. I mean, if you look at Valve, and like they have Team Fortress, which arguably is one of the best multiplayer games out there, and Left 4 Dead, which is also one of the best multiplayer games out there, and they could still deliver these compelling single-player experiences like Portal and Half-Life, I think they'd be stupid not to you know, venture out into the multiplayer field, get more people into their stuff, people that aren't single-player gamers, you know, to try something like Team Fortress and then say, oh, maybe I'll try Half-Life 2 or whatever. So um, I think even Bioware too, especially they're you know branching out a bit, trying new things, get you know new people into their games. I think that's a big, that's a really important thing to do. And I think that's more you know a multiplayer is a business now. It's as Chris was saying before, it's kind of like a separate market that you have to appeal to. It's like it has its own fans, it has its group of people that will flock to it. So I think the smarter companies are trying to you know dip into the single player, dip into the multiplayer, and you know dip into the combined factors where you know five years ago they wouldn't have even bothered. Um, so yeah, multiplayer, as we've been saying, has been a, a force to be reckoned with, and I think we're going to see more of this, more te- more uh, big teams coming up with the separate team making their multiplayer stuff, kind of like Naughty Dog's doing, kind of like uh, the Bioshock team is doing. Um, so yeah, in that way, yeah, multiplayer is <laughs> well on the rise and becoming a part of pretty much every team out there. 
Okay, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm thinking, uh, Christos should sleep. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, we started think, this at midnight UK time. By the way. Yeah, uh, just for listeners. Yeah, like Joe said, we started at midnight, and it's now one forty-one. <laughs> just to let you know the efforts that uh, people like me and Christos go through, so that you can listen to something each week. Um, me but, too. It's, it's eight forty at night. Joe too. I'm tired. <laughs> okay, so guys, closing comment. Let's 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 play Dave Perry. Let's play uh, Nostradamus Perry. Where where do you see the future of gaming? Name a genre that you are going to proclaim as as your future of gaming. Joe, your your future of gaming genre is massively multiplayer first person shooter. Ooh. Okay, Christos, can you better that? <laughs> Massively multiplayer online first person role playing shooter strategy beat em up puzzle fighter. Oh, bastard. <laughs> I've been one up. Also known as Tetris. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Tetris Online HD Super Remix. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I think that's a pretty good conclusion to end on. So, uh, guys, thank you for sticking this out. Uh, it, was, it was good fun. Uh, I think uh, not too bad, uh, wouldn't you say, Joe? Absolutely. I am a fan of the show. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so uh, Christos, would you uh, like to tell our listeners who aren't aware about your brilliant Versus Node podcast? Uh, yeah, uh, Versus Node podcast, the show that me and uh, Eddie started up a little while ago. Um, We've since then brought on columnist uh, Jason Finelli, who works in uh, radio in real life quite often. So he's kind of the Madden NFL commentator of the games podcast industry. Um, We are recording our sixth episode this week, ironically, um, talking about MMOs and multiplayers as the future of gaming. Um, We're on iTunes, so uh, feel free to check us out. You can also find us at GamerNode.com as Eddie covers the front page with it every time a new episode goes up for about two weeks. <laughs> and considering we record every fortnight, that's pretty effective. So, so yeah, go and uh, check it out. Absolutely. I, I, I very much enjoyed my last appearance on Versus Node, which was, I think, the last show you haven't done one yet since. So uh, check it out, and make sure you check out uh, Christos's own site, which is forthegamergood.com, if I'm right, Christos? Yes, indeedy. Excellent stuff. Um, Joe, who who are you going to shout out to this week? Um, I'm going to shout out to myself, as always. Uh, I'm actually, uh, after talking about how I'm such a single-player gamer, blah, 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 I've actually become addicted to Worms 2 recently, like hardcore on Xbox Live. So I'm going to be playing that all week. So if anyone wants to get their ass kicked in Worms, it's Slam Bad or Huge on Xbox Live. Absolutely. If you want to get your gamer score... Uh, kicked. You can also go and hit up Joe with his ridiculous gamer score. How much is it now? Two hundred thousand and. Uh, well, no, I can't really say because uh, Jennifer Allen, our former guest, is like twenty thousand above me, so I feel puny and minuscule in this universe uh, when she still has that score. I've actually challenged her. I'm going to try and beat her score. Um, it's going to be rough. I'm going to have to play some really awful games, but we'll see if we can do it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> from Christos. Joe and myself. Enjoy your week and we'll see you all next Monday.
Thank you for listening to Big Red Potion, brought to you by the Game Reviews Game On Network. Check out BigRedPotion.com for updates on the show, and TheGameReviews.com for more thoughts from the TGR crew. Big Red Potion is also proud to be part of the Unified Gamers Network, which you can now find at UnifiedGamersNetwork.com. You can also find both Sinan and Joe on Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash Shoinan, S-H-O-I-N-A-N, and Twitter.com forward slash Slam Vanderhuge, Slam, V-A-N-D-E-R-H-U-G-E. And you can also contact us at our email address, bigredpotion at gmail.com. All that's left to do is thank the man behind the theme tune, Derek K. Miller. Derek, take us out with washing off like an aardvark.